Welcome to Today on Broadway for July 31st, 2020. I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. And I am arts and culture writer Alicia Ramirez. Alicia, arts and culture writers all over the place. I am so, so happy to finally get to do a show with you as Matt has already teased. And if he's wrong, I'll blame him. But I think this is the first time two women have ever co-hosted today on Broadway. It's either been Matt, James, or I solo, or it's, or it's been some weird combination of us. And most recently, you and Matt. So this is very exciting. I am thrilled to no longer be the odd one out on today on Broadway and even more so thrilled on a whole to have you on board. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, thrilled to keep you company. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, keeping me company going into the weekend, too. Very exciting. Well, we are here wherever you want to hear us, either in the normal feed or even better, support two hardworking women by going over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon. We would most certainly appreciate it. Let's get into the news today, though, Alicia, because we have a lot to cover. And the biggest story actually came midday on Thursday from Disney Plus as the platform, which I imagine is still reveling in their recent release of Hamilton, has now reportedly put into development a feature film adaptation of Once on This Island. Playwright Jocelyn Bio and director Wanuri Kahio will lead the creative team on the film, which will be produced by Mark Platt, the award-winning producer of Wicked, Legally Blonde, La La Land, and much more. For those unfamiliar, Kahio is a Kenyan filmmaker who wrote and directed the LGBTQ plus film Rafiki. That made history as the first Kenyan film to screen at the Cannes Film Festival, even as the movie was banned in her home country. BOE rightfully talk about often, I know, BOE rightfully talk about often, including last week with her Broadway-bound goddess. The Aarons and Flaherty musical, of course, most recently appeared in New York in 2017 at Circle in the Square and netted the win for Best Musical Revival. Did you get to see that revival, Alicia? Unfortunately, I did not, but I heard wonderful, wonderful things about it, especially regarding Alex's performance. Yes. And with all that said... I'm already campaigning for their casting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, first of all, I am a big fan of the show. I am so thrilled to see this. And I don't say it often, but I think it's a really good fit for Disney. It's a story that lends itself to a Disney audience. It's And if it's going straight to Disney Plus rather than being a theatrical release, I imagine they have a little bit more wiggle room creatively, both, both as far as how they're going to adapt it and also their casting, because they're not having to appeal to that kind of wide, Disney theatrical audience as much, which is a plus with the stellar creative team. Yes, absolutely. The other part of this is a lot of diehard Broadway fans, especially on the back of Hamilton being on Disney Plus, are really calling for a pro tape version of this, which we've talked about on the show a thousand times is just not plausible for every professional pro tape, especially considering this closed years ago. But people imagine that every pro tape is shot as well as Hamilton was. But this is one of those rare instances for me where again, in the hands of a creative team, I trust to do justice, I would be just as thrilled to see this beautiful story get told on a bigger scale. 
Yes, absolutely. And with somebody as marvelous as, as Jocelyn Bio, um, who's not only a playwright, but an actress, I think, mm-hmm. celebrating all that she has to offer will definitely be embraced throughout the process. Absolutely. Um, throughout the filming process, I should say. Yeah, definitely. So I, I can't wait to see this. I'm really excited. Hopefully we get it sooner rather than later. <laughs> We're gonna need gonna need something to watch while theater isn't around. Yeah, fingers crossed. A bit of a change of pace though, as we move on to the latest COVID nineteen theater update, speaking of the pandemic, Alicia. On Thursday we received an update from the New York City COVID nineteen response and impact fund created in March to support nonprofit service providers struggling with unprecedented health and economic effects of the coronavirus crisis. It has now raised more than one hundred and ten million dollars for more than thirteen hundred donors, which has now been distributed among 754 nonprofits, 300 of 380 of which are arts and culture organizations. Some of those, as we've discussed in the past, have included the Apollo Theater Foundation, Ars Nova, Classic Stage Company, New York Theater Workshop, and more, with grants uh, grant amounts ranging from $5,000 to $250,000. Those amounts are undisclosed, of course, but that is the range that they give. Really good to see this, of course, Alicia. I think the last time we talked about the fund was back in April or May, and they were at, I want to say $73 million then, so a big bump up from then. Could be mixing numbers up, of course, though. Uh, things are obviously really stressful now, though. We're at the end of July, where a lot of government funding will now be up, thanks to its unbelievable negligence. The only thing I really worry about, well, I worry about everything, but, but here the thing I worry about is who is getting the grants, if the organization's with the most need are getting the largest ones or the reverse. But either way, I'm glad to see some make, some money making it out to theaters in need. Yes, exactly. Especially um, when the arts and culture sector sector employs approximately 5 million people and provides an $877 billion mm-hmm. value yeah. to the U.S. economy. And everybody has to adjust their models and make new commitments. So it'll be interesting to see who gets the money and how mm-hmm. it gets allocated throughout. Across the pond, however, one of the largest employers in the UK theatre industry has announced some major cutbacks in talking about employees. Ambassador Theatre Group reported that it will lay off over 1,200 employees in September, a change that will occur following the conclusion of the UK government's furlough scheme at the end of August. In an interview with The Guardian, a spokesperson for the organization said, The impact of the pandemic, which has left theaters closed since March 16th and without any clear opening date with no social distancing, has forced the company to make this difficult decision. The staff being furloughed will be zero hours contracts and casual staff, which front of house staff and non-union performers here. This obviously is disheartening, Alicia, because it's hitting the workers who are going to have the least support going forward. Matt and I have also talked recently on the back of the news about UK theaters 
announcing that they were going to be able to do indoor shows as early as possible, though that was really the smallest theaters imaginable. Because a lot of these smaller theaters are de- like they're dependent on their holiday shows and their pantos for their revenue. But this announcement actually means that for Ambassador Theater Group, getting those shows up is now very unlikely because you no longer have the staffing to do that. So a double edged sword, really. Yeah, I agree. The UK did have some good funding news yesterday, though, not from the government, of course, but on the backs of other artists giving back. Fleabag co-stars Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Olivia Colman, who we love, have teamed up with the show's original producer, Francesca Moody, to launch the Theatre Community Fund. Offering grants up to £3,000, the fund aims to provide longer-term support to artists and professionals in the UK impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. The fund received a pledge of £1 million from founder donations. Some of those founders include Gillian Anderson, Amelia Clark, Daniel Radcliffe, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, and more, and has amassed £500,000 so far. Those grants will be separated into two categories, one to help freelancers survive the present by providing hardship grants to those in immediate need, and to ensure a healthy future for the industry by providing innovation and creation grants for artists to produce work. Very cool to see this, especially as a Fleabag fan, but also as far as the community theater community doing what it can to support one another, as always, when the government is not... (laughs) And finally, in the section, Alicia, I wanted to follow up with an update of something that you and Matt talked about on the show the other day, and that was the alleged permanent closing of the London and UK touring productions of The Phantom of the Opera. Sure, let's talk about this. (laughs) Yeah, right? What a quick change. Despite recent reports earlier this week, the musical does plan to resume performances, but only after social distancing-based restrictions ease up for West End venues and following repairs to the theater and set. The announcements of its ultimate shuttering ran on the heels of a column by a Cameron McIntosh published in the Evening Standard in which he said, quote, Andrew and I have had to sadly permanently shut down our London and UK touring productions of The Phantom of the Opera, though immediately following this with his intention to reopen the show eventually. Because of public reaction to that, however, both Lloyd Webber and Cam Mack have since had to clarify. On Twitter, ALW wrote, quote, As far as I'm concerned, Phantom will reopen as soon as is possible. And over on What's On Stage, spokespeople for Cameron Mack said that a brand new physical production of the show will run in the West End in the future. The reported brand new production will feature Maria Bjornsson's original design in a refurbished theater. In the statement, Macintosh also confirmed that LWT has just taken a 50-year lease extension on Her Majesty's Theater. So, quote, we can't tell you exactly when the Phantom will be back, but we can tell you that he will be back. So I guess Phantom fans can breathe a little easier, and hopefully that means staffers on the show can breathe a little easier as well, Alicia. As you and Matt talked about the other day, these announcements are especially tough during a pandemic, and to have that language there like permanently closing can be really stressful, especially as we've seen so many permanent closing notices so far. Yes, and 
Having clear and concise language from the get-go would have avoided this in it the first place. It would have place. been really helpful, especially <laughs> especially with something as concrete as permanent. Mm-hmm. I can only really wonder at this point, because as they said, they've got that new 50-year lease at Her Majesty's, which that is such a long time. Uh, it's kind of whatever they want to do at this point with that, and they're going to do it but what it's what's it going to look like for the broadway production whenever things come back assuming they're also going to bring that brand new or brand everything old is new again production into the majestic as well but what is that going to look like for people who work on the current show uh who are at least mostly expecting they'll have something as big as phantom to come back to when this is all over oh for sure All right, I want to run through some other news items real quick. Down in Atlanta, the Alliance Theater is moving forward with its 2020-2021 season by staging a number of socially distant productions indoors, in addition to presenting works in a drive-in style, outdoor space, and online through a new streaming platform. The season includes Lydia R. Diamond's Tony Stone, which was recently presented off-Broadway, the world premiere of the musical Accidental Heroes, The Real Life Adventures of Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, and the previously announced Hands Up. Those will all be staged indoors, with face masks required, socially distant seating, staggered entry and exit times, and mobile ticketing. Additionally, the company will stage a drive-in production of A Christmas Carol, directed by Leora Morris, as a live radio play with an exact location to be announced. Casting creative teams and schedule details for all productions will be announced at a later date, but considering shows will start in November, and I cannot imagine we will have a full grasp on the pandemic by then, I continue my belief Hmm. that staging indoor shows right now, Alicia, especially in a state that is currently in a red zone, is a very bad idea. It is indeed, Ashley. What is not a bad idea, though, is a handful of productions and presentations that were announced on Thursday for a much later date. First up in a recent piece with the New York Times, Tony nominee Renee Fleming has confirmed that she will star in an opera adaptation of The Hours. Fleming will sing the role of Clarissa alongside Kelly O'Hara as Laura and Grammy-winning mezzo-soprano Joyce D. Donato as Virginia Woolf. The work hails from Pulitzer Prize-winning composer Kevin Putz as a co-commission from the Metropolitan Opera and the Philadelphia Orchestra. The work is scheduled to premiere in 2022 with Phelan McDermott directing. Also in the news, Native Sun writer Nambi Kelly has signed on as playwright for the upcoming Phenomenal Woman, colon, Maya Angelou, a play with music about the late poet and civil rights activist. The project is expected to make its world premiere in spring 2021, delayed from this year due to the coronavirus pandemic, at North Carolina Black Repertory Company before playing at theaters in Memphis and Houston. David Michael Rich and J. Todd Harris are attached as commercial producers for a potential Broadway transfer following the multi-city tour. Additional creative team members, casting, and exact dates will be announced later. 
And staying on the theme of black excellence, American Theatre Wing's Network for Emerging Leaders has announced a panel of black theater creators, educators, and leaders for a conversation on anti-blackness within the industry, the power structures at play, and how to create a more equitable American theater. The August 6th event, entitled Not Going Back to Normal, Moving Forward, will be moderated by Binta Nyambi Brown and include Amara Brady, Marilyn McCormick, Dominique Mariso, and Liesl Tommy. The panel will be held at 6.30 Eastern Time on the 6th. You can find more information and sign up via americantheaterwing.org. I will most definitely be there for that. It's at least somewhat encouraging, Alicia, to see a talk like this coming and being presented by the wing. I'm always a little bit pessimistic about if and how the conversation on racism in the industry is going to continue when we actually start theater back up. But as long as they at least keep having conversations in the meanwhile, I will certainly be in a virtual seat. So will I. And I just want to add to this that all of these people are people, they are they are leaders oh, yeah. with a vision and with a plan. And all of the demands and all of the inequities have been presented. And I only hope that this panel compels the white institutions that need to examine their practices to actually do so because a lot of the people participating might already know what needs to change, but might not be in power to change it in the way that needs to be changed. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I've got a couple feel-good recommendations for the week in Alicia, but I know you also have something that you want to start with. Yes, I do. My feel-good recommendation is a video from R&H Goes Live featuring Jelani Aladdin and Christiani Pitts uh, singing yes. Lady is a Tramp. And yes. I have to tell you, Ashley. Mm-hmm. Those videos make my day. I love and, these videos. Yes. And my absolute favorite so far has been Ryan McCartan's version of This Nearly Was Mine from South Pacific. But I have to say that this cover by Jelani and Christiani is definitely up there with Ryan. That is a very good cover. Matt had mentioned it the other day, and I finally... Which one? Ryan or, or Jelani's? Uh, Jelani's. And I had finally got a chance to listen to it on Thursday morning because what ends up happening with me is I will see all these recommendations for the week and just not get a chance to listen to anything. And then people will send me things and I will not get a chance to listen to anything. But I usually take maybe a good 30 minutes or an hour towards the end of my week to finally get to watch everything that's been sent my way. And I was really happy to get to see this one. Oh, good. Me too. As far as my own recommendations, the first up is actually an event on August 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The New York Times will present Offstage Suffragist, a virtual event about a new musical currently being developed by Shana Taub. 
Taub will be accompanied by members of the show's creative team and cast, as well as Michael Paulson and Veronica Chambers to talk about the show's pandemic-interrupted journey. They'll share songs from the work in progress. The project is exactly what it sounds like. It's a new musical based on the long-fought battle for the right for women to vote a century ago, at least white women. I'm definitely curious to check that out, and you can as well by registering via the link in the show notes. And then Signature Theater has actually released a new bi-weekly half-hour talk show, variety show, performance show. Not sure what you want to call it, but it features performances by acclaimed artists, interviews, and more. All episodes will be released on Signature Theater's YouTube channel, which is at Sig Theater. The company released its first episode on Thursday, which features Heidi Blickenstaff, Natasha Diaz, Jenny Harney Fleming, Tom Kit and more. Love all of the people that are involved, Alicia. So very excited to see this. And I'm kind of a glutton when it comes to presentations like this. I will watch any talk show or variety show that is thrown my way. <laughs> In that case, thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, thank you. Of course, the link to that and everything we have talked about on today's show will be in the show notes. All right, that is all we have time for today and for the week, and hey, for the month. So thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. If you are feeling generous, you can head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon to back us if you haven't already. If you are a Patreon backer, you will have already gotten a notification in the feed that this will be a very good week to get in the action during Sundays this week on Broadway recording if everything goes to plan. I haven't received an update if the planned special guest will in fact be on. I'm assuming I'll find out when I get my handwritten invitation to the program because I am vocally a big pers- a big fan of this person and I I don't seem to have an invite to be a guest on the show though. Oh, no. I know. Blame Mr. Marino. <laughs> then maybe it's it's I've been so vocal about this person that maybe it's for the best I'm not there. <laughs> But regardless, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. Alicia, where can the folks find you? Folks can find me on Twitter and Instagram at abramirascar31. Excellent. Everybody, have an excellent weekend. Stay safe, be kind to one another, and I believe Matt and I will be back to talk with you on Monday. Mm-hmm.